Hello and welcome to the Start Your Business podcast, the podcast for entrepreneurs who want to discover savvy insights from worldwide leaders in business. We ask them to impart their inspirational stories and advice on the subject of not only starting, but succeeding in business. So I've got Philip Bedford here, otherwise known as Phil. Uh, he lives in Dubai and he is a keynote speaker and also calls himself the Rebel Networker. So uh, it's great to have you with us, Phil. Great to be here, Sylvia. Thank you for giving us some of your time. Um, I just want to ask, firstly, why why do you call yourself the Rebel Networker? Why Rebel? <laughs> There's actually two reasons. Um, a, a very good friend of mine who's into uh, branding uh, was looking at what I do and, and how I do it. And uh, as much as I teach networking, I show people how to you know to grow a business by word of mouth. Uh, we started looking at the ways that I did it, and uh, I. I have a couple of unique hobbies. So I'm a, I'm a kite surfing instructor. Um, I like doing crazy things. Uh, I'm a salsa instructor. Um, and, and this is kind of, they're all sort of rather obscure and quite far away from what you'd expect a, a business trainer to be doing. And, and he's, yeah. you know, you're a bit of a rebel on the quiet, aren't you, Phil? And we, and we just thought it was like a really good tag that got people interested. Uh, and it kind of clashes with my business image because when, when I'm in business, I'm there in a suit and, I, you know, I'm quite smart. And at the end of the day, it makes you memorable asking which is yeah because I was having a look at your site and there was some uh, advice on there about looking your best and how you present yourself when you're networking and I was thinking <laughs> where's the rebel in that <laughs> actually you, you would laugh I, I, I was speaking at a um, uh, an internet based uh, engagement a couple of years ago and, and all the guys there were saying come on Phil you know you got to turn up on stage. We're all here in our flip-flops and our shorts and our T-shirts, and you're standing there in a suit and a tie. You know, come on, get in with the image. You're supposed to be chilled. And I said, who's the rebel now, guys? <laughs> well, I've heard, um, I've heard uh, from a lot of people quite recently that wearing a business suit uh, is not as important, and it's more about your personality and, and being comfortable. What would you say to that? I agree. You've got to be comfortable in your skin. Uh, at the end of the day, there are people that, particularly the older uh, generation, who they will look at the way you're dressed. You know, if your shoes aren't shiny, they won't do business with you. I mean, little things like that. Um, we're actually, from the, from the minute we grow up, you know, we, we have stories read to us. We see images on the TV. You know, you'll see the devil with his little beard. You know, you'll be told that um, people with no hair can be aggressive. We All of these little sort of uh, stereotypes that are fed into us and whenever yeah. we meet somebody we may not realize it on a conscious level but unconsciously all our histories everything we've ever been told is chipping away at that sort of at that visual and saying can I trust this person are they good at what they do and, and I think if you're particularly offering a service which is not something that you can hold and touch if you're saying you know you need to believe in me to turn your business around and the guy that's sitting there in front of you is in a pair of shorts and a pair of sandals deep down there's going to be a question of well you know is it can this person really do it and do you know what they may be a multimillionaire. we know these days there are numerous internet gurus that have made millions and millions but they don't necessarily do it by interacting with people they, they do it through having a skill on the internet uh, mm. so i just think for me it's you don't have to be in a tie 
you can be in a suit, you can be in a jacket, you can be in a really nice pair of jeans, but it's the quality of what you're wearing mm. combined with the, the feeling people get about you when, when they're interacting. So the suit's one thing, but the other thing is you very rightly said, it's the way you come across, it's your education, it's the way you can carry yourself, the rapport you can build. So really, I'd say it has to be the whole package. Okay, so it's overall. Well, um, following on to that, what, what would you say is your guide to working a room when you're networking? Most people go into a networking event and fundamentally they don't really understand what it's about. Uh, networking at a fundamental level is about building relationships. And mm. it's about meeting people that you can develop these relationships, look to help each other and move to a situation where they're either exchanging information, support, possibly referrals. The challenge for most people is they're walking into networking rooms and they're trying to sell everybody in the room. Now, hands up, when, you, when everybody goes networking, ultimately everybody is hoping to sell something. But when you've got everybody in the room hoping to sell, mm. you've got nobody buying. That's true. <laughs> so what you've got is a horrible scenario when everyone's trying to sell at each other. Everyone's talking, saying, well, okay, 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 finish, please, so I can sell at you. <laughs> and not listening. <laughs> so, so the thing is, it's a horrible environment. And then hence you get people that hate networking because all they have to do is go into a room of people they don't even have the comfort of a telephone to hide behind. They have to sell at people, collect business cards, go back to the office, email them, and try and force them for a meeting. And a lot of people are uncomfortable with this. Yeah. So, so what we kind of say is, look, you know, go into an inner room, try and build relationships, learn about other people first, try and see how you can help them. In the process, they're going to ask you what you do. And the thing is, if you've tried to build a relationship and help somebody else first by learning about them, there's more chance they'll then listen to you. This way we move forward, we can help people, and it's a lot more of a comfortable scenario. And guess what? You know, in the process of you telling them what you do, if they want to buy from you, they'll probably buy from you anyway. Yeah, so it's all about building up those relationships before just throwing your pitch at somebody cold. Absolutely. I mean, yeah. you can look at sales statistics. Um, there's a couple of people I've met in the past, and uh, these, these stats tend to be quite across the board. You know, and if, if you're going to walk into a room of 100 people, and just imagine for one minute that every single person in the room was, going, was in the market for what you're selling. Hmm. And, and statistics actually say that if you were to pitch at every single one of those people, even if they were in the market, only 2% would buy. Wow. Yeah, exactly. And you imagine, Sylvia, you know, I stand here, in, or whoever's listening to this, if I come into the room and I pitch at you, without finding anything out about you and just blurb at you, what are you feeling? <laughs> Horrible. I'm saying, get away. <laughs> exactly. You're like, get off me. How do I escape? Where do I go? And if you're doing that to 98% of the room, what's happening to your personal brand? Yeah. You know, all these people are trying to run away from you. So it's about changing the dynamic. And there are other skills, of course, on how you can start conversations and what to do and how to ask. But fundamentally, at a different level, you know, let's, let's try and build relationships. Let's see how we can help other people uh, before we try and pitch at them. Uh, and you know what? You'll have half the room thinking, what a nice person, rather than, gosh, I need to cross the road next time I see him. Yeah. Okay, well, you specialize in a particular type of networking called referral networking. Um, can you tell our listeners what, what that's all about in a nutshell? 
Yeah, um, there's actually different ways of growing your business when we look at the relationship arena. So, so, so networking is what we would recognize normally as going into a room and meeting people. Um, we can actually break this down further. You have word of mouth, for example. So word of mouth is where people have heard of you, but there's no direct introduction by a third party. Hmm. So if I said to you, you know, Sylvie, have you ever, um, have you ever driven a Rolls Royce? I say no, but I've heard of one. <laughs> You've heard of one. You know they're a great, beautiful car. They're top end. You know, they're kind of luxury. You've never been in one. That's word of mouth. You know, that's kind of a branding element. So in our businesses, there's word of mouth about us. There's good word of mouth and there's bad word of mouth. So what mm-hmm. we have to do is increase the good word of mouth and decrease the bad. So that's one element. The other side of it is what we would call referrals. Uh, some people might call these leads. And historically, for most of the listeners, you would be getting leads or referrals probably from clients. Mm. Uh, you, do a, you, know, you do a good job and you kind of hope that the clients are going to refer you. Uh, and this is where most people focus their energies or their hopes or their aspirations. But unfortunately, you know, hope's not a strategy. Uh, it's, just nice, it's just nice to get. Um, so so what, we can, what we do is we actually sh- show people how to break down their contacts to find individuals who have access to their ideal clients. Hmm. And then what we do is when we find these individuals, we build relationships with them so that we can mutually win and introduce each other proactively to the right clients. And, And these kind of relationships are very rarely clients. So they're not just testimonials. They're, they're slightly different. Yeah, they are. I mean, Testimonials from clients are nice. Testimonials from other people are nice. But if you actually go on Harvard Business Review and you do a little bit of a study, they've actually come up with some statistics that show if you were going to ask 100% of your clients for referrals, only about 18% will actually refer you. Hmm. And yet 64% will actually say, yes, we will. And that's if you ask every client. Most people aren't even asking. If you're relying on referrals from clients, it's not a very productive or reliable way of growing your business. And yet, most people know that referrals are the best way to get new business. Okay, so the, the word referrals, where, where are you doing that? Are you doing that online? Are you doing that uh, face-to-face with people? Yeah, what we do is we, we actually show people how to build it offline. I mean, real relationships, real trust has to be developed offline. Uh, as much as the on-world line is a fantastic tool now, and I'm quite active in it, you, you can see me anywhere, mm. online really is about first touch. It's about how I exist. Yeah. If you really want to get somebody to refer you, that is to put their reputation on the line and say to somebody else, you really need to be doing business with this person, I would suggest that you really need to have an offline relationship to do that. So would you say with the advent of social media – has networking still got the same importance that it did, say, 10 years ago? I think in many ways it's even more important. Um, the, the reason being, it becomes, it's more obvious to now. It can reach more people. We can, we can be accessible to the whole world now. Uh, unfortunately, I think a lot of people think now that the solutions lie online and they're, and they're thinking the offline part is not important. And really, mm-hmm. the two are so important. They have to be used together. Um, I know a lot of people that are offline biased and they hardly ever go online. Well, you can imagine what they're, what they're losing in terms of visibility. People online stick behind their computers and then don't have relationships. So, you know, they're both losing out. They need to be combined. Uh, and I think networking and a lot of the other experts I deal with will tell you that networking is becoming more and more important. Um, 
it's always been important to, to the uh, small business owner because they rely so heavily on it. Yes, of course. Um, well, you've been in Dubai now for 13, 14 years. Um, and would you say that it's different? There's a different sort of culture over there in terms of networking and business? <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, we've, we've got 164 different nationalities just in Dubai. Um, and if anyone, I don't know if any of you have ever been here, but Dubai in itself is just uh, it's just like a city. I mean, it takes you 25 minutes to drive across it. And 164 different nationalities, different languages, different cultures. Uh, everything is different. Um, there are subtle differences a lot of people know in the world, like the way you hand out a business card. So, for example, in the Western world, you just hand over a business card and then you swap. In, for Asian nationalities, you have to hand that card over with two hands. You have to collect it with two hands. You have to look at it. Uh, you don't write on it. So there, there's definitely difference, differences in the way we network depending on the cultures. Yeah. And how important is it to learn Arabic, for instance, or Arabic customs? <laughs> it's, it's actually, unfortunately, it's not that important. Um, it's something a lot of us wish we were doing more of. We wish there was more interaction with the, uh, uh, particularly the local uh, population here. Unfortunately, because of the, they're a much smaller minority compared to the majority of expats. So English is prevalent and, and hence there tends to be more of a lean that way. Uh, as much as it would be fantastic to speak more Arabic, it, it just comes down to percentage of population really. Um, but there is a massive difference between the way cultures network, particularly the Arabic cultures, and even inside the Arabic communities. If you look at Egypt, Jordan, and down to the Gulf countries, there's a big difference there. Um, and, and a lot of it comes down to even things um, uh, like turning up at meetings. Uh, in the Western world, if we, if we have a meeting and you, you know, you've booked in a time, you turn up a couple of minutes early, you're on time. You know, mm -hmm. if you're late, you ring ahead and say, sorry, I'm late. In, in a lot of the Arabic countries, it's changing, but the way they work, family comes first. So they may be on the way to the meeting. Uh, they'll get a phone call from a family member and they'll just go. They won't necessarily let you know they're not going to turn up. They just won't turn up. Mm. And the reason being, family comes first, whereas for us, it's about business first. And there's nothing right or wrong. It's just the way that things are done. And if we come here saying we're right, you're wrong, well, we don't get any relationships. Yeah. So what would you say it was like for an SME who's starting up in Dubai? It's an exciting place to be. There is, there is so much opportunity out here for the entrepreneur. Um, it is, uh, taxes are minimal. Uh, opportunities are there. I mean, it, Dubai's always been a great place where you can earn revenue quickly. It's all been about managing that revenue once you have it in and putting business systems in place. And it, it really is a, a fantastic place. I always feel we're on the, the, the tip of the spear. Uh, after, after the original, uh, the crash back in 2009, um, mm. Dubai has been one of the first places to pick back up again. There, there is such a can-do attitude about life here. Uh, if you have, just, just look at the, any of the history on the Middle East. Every time they tell them they can't do something, Dubai particularly, they do it. It's brilliant. Okay, so you were there, obviously, uh, around the crash. Uh, what we heard stories of cars and streets and and being left in airports. Was it really as bad as that? Um, yeah, I launched my business as the as the, as the crash came. I launched my business, and mm. um, it was like that. There were cars left at the airport. Businesses did go under. Um, however, a lot of the better businesses are still here, uh, um, and and in many ways, life's become a little bit more realistic. 
you know, house prices dropped, it's become, but it's picked up again. There's such a a can-do attitude about this whole place that nobody stays down long. So did you ever think, did you ever have any moments of hesitation during that time? Like, should I go back to the UK? Am I doing the right thing? Were there any sort of obstacles like that around that, around that time period? Uh, I would say no. Um, I just knew what I wanted to do. I, I'm very lucky. My network of people that I've built up over the years are very can-do in their mindset. I, th- I think it, one of the key elements for any entrepreneur is, is when you decide you're going to go and work for yourself, uh, particularly if you've been employed, you're used to having everything done for you. And when you step into that entrepreneurial zone, you say, right, now I'm going to launch my business. You want to surround yourself with people that are going to support you and say, yes, you can. How can I help you? And, and unfortunately, a lot of the people you used to work with will be saying, uh, you know, you're going to fail. Don't do it. You know, why don't you come back to your job? So you have to have that mindset and surround yourself with the people that say, yes, you can. And, and luckily, through my time here, I've, I've built up a very strong community, uh, people that want to help you succeed. Uh, and I'm part of their network. Fantastic. So um, take me back to the beginning. How did you get into networking in the first place? I didn't really realize I was involved in it. I'd always, I've been in sales ever since I left university. And I'd always been rather successful at sales. I did recruitment sales, uh, real estate sales. Was it something that you studied? Did you study business or anything like that? No, I didn't. I, I, um, I'm a civil engineer. Oh, okay. I got a master's degree in engineering. Uh, I fell into recruitment at the time because there was there was no jobs in engineering, and I found that I actually quite enjoyed business, and I didn't actually enjoy engineering. <laughs> a lot of people find that after graduating. <laughs> Strange that. I just wish I'd done geography because then I could have had five hours a week instead of thirty. <laughs> um, no, it's it's. Um, I, I just found I was get, I was good at sales, but I, was, I never cold called. I did it all by relationships, you know, people looking after me, referrals, the people I met outside, and I never really considered it as networking. So how did you get, how did you manage to meet these people? Sometimes it's quite hard to pin down the person that you want to talk to, isn't it? So, I mean, there's a number of ways I do this. I have a, a quite a strong network, so I can ask. Uh, I just say, hey, guys, I'm looking for an introduction to so-and-so. Do you know them? Mm. That quite often works. I'm a member of a, a networking group called BNI, uh, where we meet every single week and we get the opportunity to stand up in front of 30 40 business people and say i am looking for and these introductions tend to come uh, these days with the internet going back to that we have a great tool as you probably know linkedin uh, mm-hmm. we just connected on there before before we did this and you can actually search on linkedin punch in a name uh, of a person or a company and you can see who's connected to that person no no this is where the offline world helps you can see where your connections are online see who you know who knows them and then approach them offline for a strategy on how you get the introduction. Okay. And um, did you always realize that you were a good speaker? I mean, how did you get into start getting into keynote speaking? And Okay, I'm going to let you into a secret now. Uh, I actually used to be scared stiff of speaking. Yeah. And uh, I remember I was in, a, I was in this B&I group uh, um, about six years ago, and every member gets an opportunity to speak uh, probably about once every six months. And I hid for a year because I was too nervous and I didn't know how to generate a, a presentation. And, and I basically just through a process of being asked to help to, to assist with the, the, the groups to start to train the members, I ended up standing in front of rooms and I ended up training. And all of a sudden I started surrounding myself, particularly when I moved into the Referral Institute, where I started to surround myself with other speakers. And I just started like a sponge to suck in everything they were saying, watch everybody. And again, this is part of networking. Find the people you want to learn from, 
who probably are better than you or working at a different level to you. And, and basically just watch, learn, and look. And that's how I learned. And all of a sudden, I thought, my goodness, I love this. This is fantastic. Mm-hmm. You know, and now I can stand up in front of 750 people and, and I feel like I'm talking to my mum. Oh, really? Yeah, I, I, I love it. So you don't get nervous anymore? Yes, get nervous. Absolutely. Uh, I think nerves are important because it helps you respect the crowd, make sure you're prepared, um, but turn the nerves into a good thing. Yeah. And does it give you quite a buzz? Uh, yes. I, I, I used to experiment with espresso before I went on to try and get a buzz before I went on. Oh, used to give me like really bad shaking. Yeah. <laughs> you definitely get a buzz from, from being up there. People come up to you afterwards and say, oh my gosh, yeah, you impacted me and let me share this with you. There's the buzz. When you know you've got through to people is, is just so powerful. It must be very satisfying. Um, okay, so uh, I, I was doing a bit of research on you, and uh, I obviously you mentioned that you're into salsa dancing and, and teaching salsa dancing. Uh, what's the link between that and what you do in the business world? Yeah, I mean, I started dancing years and years ago, and it's, it's always been a hobby for me. Um, every gr- I mean, what is a network really, Sylvia? A network is a group of people who meet on a regular basis with a common connection. So salsa is a network, a reading group is a network, my kite surfing group is my network. And, and inside these networks, even though you have a commonality of salsa or whatever, we've all got jobs. We've all got lives. And, and in my salsa community here, you know, I, I'm surrounded with airline hostesses. Uh, I'm surrounded by multimillionaires, uh, teachers, um, you name it, they're in these groups. And you've got no idea who's in these places. So ultimately, it brings you together with a common connection. And when you're there, you just get to know people, find out what they do. And the opportunities that can arise from any network is incredible. It's just a matter of finding out who's there and building relationships. Do you find that uh, the two networks cross over quite often? Um, Well, the kite surfing, the salsa, and my referral-based thing. You know, I mean, what you'll find is there are commonalities. There'll be one or two people that link into any network. And, and really, this is what you're trying to do. We, as human beings, we tend to surround ourselves with people we, we know, like, and trust. And we, hence, we seem to spend most of our time with the same people. And if, if we really want to be expanding our opportunities and our horizons, meeting business opportunities and people that we never normally would, we need to step out of our comfort zones. And, and so, hence, these individuals that cross over into different networks will give us the opportunity to meet new people. Uh, and particularly if we go back to Dubai, you know, people tend to stay in their own uh, nationality groups. Um, and so hence, they're missing opportunities. It's, it's about crossing over to, into different networks to meet people from different uh, cultures and, and, and uh, nationalities and directions. And, and, and hence, that way, we, we build our network. You cannot be a cave dweller and be a networker. Hmm. And, and when I say cave dweller... What you're looking at is people who go from their house to their car to their office, back to the car, back to the house, and they say, "Do you know what? I don't understand why I'm not getting, pe- I'm not meeting people. I don't understand why I'm not getting referrals." Mm. You've got to be out there meeting people, and if you can make it fun, all the more the better. Um, and what we say to our clients is, you know, it's, you've actually got to have networks of uh, of dip from different areas. There's no point having. For example, if you're a lady going to five women's networks, you know, you want to be because then you get diminishing returns. You start to see the same people over and over again in the same thing. Mm. You need to be expanding your horizons and that way it becomes more interesting, 
and you get to meet new people. A bit more variety. Absolutely. And it gives you a nice brand name like the Rebel Networker. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, uh, sounds amazing. I love salsa dancing myself. <laughs> uh, well, next time you're out in Dubai, you have to come and have a dance. I think I will. There may be opportunity. I think we are planning on going out there fairly soon. Uh, we're launching Start Your Business Arabia. So, um, yeah, maybe we can meet up. I'd love to. Oh, that'd be great. You have to get uh, If you bring Tony out with you, we'll uh, sort you out with a table at Seville's at the Waffian. We'll uh, have a great dance. It'll be good. Oh, I'll hold you to that. <laughs> so, uh, let me think. Um, where did you grow up? Uh, how was your childhood experience? Do you think you were always business-minded? Uh, not at all. Uh, I grew up in Brixham, Devon. Moved when I was eight years old to uh, the Midlands. And I lived in the Midlands for a number of years. Uh, actually, my childhood... Uh, um, I hope there's only like one or two people listening to this. <laughs> as, as much, I was a quite a clever kid, but I was very overweight. I was heavily bullied. I didn't particularly enjoy my childhood, even though um, you know I had the best my parents could give. But I had a, I didn't really enjoy my childhood. Uh, and it wasn't until I actually started to to go to college and hang around with people that I started to have fun and started to realise how you know you know you can step out of your shell and you can be who you are. Um, I think the secret was always I grabbed opportunities when they came. You know, even though I was even though when I was even though I was a little bit nervous and quiet, you know, when I was eighteen I went and did Camp America. So that's going over to work on a summer camp in the US. Uh, I get an opportunity to come to Dubai, so I drop everything and come to Dubai. And I think it's again I mentioned it earlier, it's about grabbing opportunities when they come, going with your gut, not necessarily over analyzing things. Uh, and, and again, just finding people that have done it or or who are positive and hanging on to their coattails, learning from them. Yeah. So do you think, would you describe yourself as a bit of a jet setter? You obviously like traveling a bit. I do travel a lot. Yes. Um, I've just got back from six weeks traveling. I love traveling. Um, although not traveling just for the sake of traveling. I, I enjoy wherever I go, meeting cultures, meeting people. Um, I remember I, I lived in Spain for a number of years. Oh, really? Whereabouts? It's Santander in the, the north of Spain. Oh, lovely. I have family in Valencia, so I, love, I frequently visit Spain. Oh, it's my second home. I love it. Okay, so um, what's the highlight of your career so far? Hmm. Highlight of my career? It has to be um, standing on a stage in Bangalore probably about four weeks ago with over 750 people in the crowd, two tiers um, so like a bit like the Albert Hall, you know, we got two tiers. Yeah. Uh, and I, and I said to my, my friend who was in the audience, uh, Gotham Grimblani, I says, mate, I, I said to the crowd, guys, you know, I, I really feel like we've got on well here. Um, so I got everybody to stand up, put my back to the crowd and we've got a photo with everybody in the couch screaming and shouting. <laughs> That's like a Robbie Williams moment. It, maybe it was, I should have put a wig on. <laughs> and, uh, it, to me, that kind of just epitomizes what was happening. Uh, and then to get off the stage afterwards and uh, to, just to have all these fantastic people letting you, taking photos with you and letting you know, it, it, it was just, yeah, it was everything. It was just um, brought it all together really for me, I think. Brilliant. Okay. And, um, and what about your future plans? Do you plan to stay out there in the sun or are you ever tempted to come back to Blighty? Uh, I don't think uh, good old Blighty's in, in the, the pipeline. I've got, I'm, I'm currently in the, in the, in the process of building the business in the Middle East. So I'm trying to get franchises here. Um, I'm looking at India. To, so I think this part of the world is really where I'm going to be for the moment. Yeah. Long term, my wife's Australian. 
And I think if you stack Brisbane and the summers up there against the UK, probably <laughs> seriously think about Brisbane. I think everyone can understand that. Everyone in the UK anyway. But my heart, my heart is definitely in the UK. I mean, every time I go there, you, you know, driving down the Devonshire lanes, you know, going for a cream tea, a plowman's lunch, you know, it, you can't beat that. So ideally, I'd love to have a home in both places. But, you know, wherever, wherever life's good, really. Um, and, and what made you leave the UK in the first place? Uh, I was working in recruitment. I've been there for about five years, um, and it was dead man's boots. Nothing seems to be seemed to be happening. Uh, and I, I just came out to the, the uh, to Dubai on holiday. Met a guy. He offered me a job. I went back to the UK. Thought about it. I thought, Do you know what? <laughs> I took a pay cut. Came out. Found, actually, found out that I was on really poor money when I arrived here. <laughs> I just so wanted to go. I didn't even bother doing the exchange rate or anything. I just came. <laughs> yeah, the sun and the tax free. It's very. Appealing. Funnily enough, my money was so bad that that's what got me into starting my first business, which was the salsa thing. Okay. And so that kind of got me on a roll, really. Just went from there. And you still got that going as well alongside, right? Uh, the salsa, yeah. Yeah. I teach kite surfing. Uh, I do the salsa. I've got the referral institute. You sound very busy. How do you manage to? How do you manage to fit it all in? Actually, uh, I got, I got a great balance. Great, great life balance. Um, I'm lucky my salsa and my kite surfing I would do anyway because they're my hobbies. I just happen to have, you know, monetized them. Yeah. Furnace shoot, I absolutely love, you know, helping people grow their businesses and and, and just that bond you get with your clients at this level. It, it, it doesn't seem like work, to be honest with you. And, but I'm, and making sure that I have time for my wife and, and my own personal fitness. And, you know, it's balanced. Uh, I don't think I work that hard. <laughs> Do you think um, networking is a natural skill or is it something that you acquire? People can be natural at it, absolutely. Uh, some people are just brilliant at building relationships. Um, other people have a challenge with it because they just necessarily don't like people. Um, you can learn how to do it. Even if you're a natural networker, you can take it up a notch. If, you, if you're really uncomfortable, you can take it up. I think the danger is for a lot of people is when they believe they're natural networkers, actually they, they tend to invest in what they call, uh, we call scorched earth networking, which is where they run around grabbing as many people but have very shallow relationships. So mm. sometimes the natural ability to, to network can actually hold people back. So I would just say whatever level we're at, we can all get better. Um, and like I said to you, I, I built my, uh, all my businesses, I'd ever done sales and everything by relationship. I'd always done really well. And I thought, and then I got into BNI and I was teaching and training and I was thinking, you know, I'm pretty good at this. And then I got involved with the referral institute and I went to the UK, uh, to, to find out about the franchise and what it all involved. And I remember going over there quite arrogant thinking, yeah, you, you know, what can you teach me? <laughs> I sat down and just went, oh my goodness. I know nothing. <laughs> I've got a long way to go. And you know what? I've been, I've been doing this, what, five years now, and you're always learning. You know, I learn from my wife. I learn from the, my clients. You know, you can't be arrogant about this because you can always learn. Yeah. Um, so over there in the Middle East, uh, when, when somebody pictures the Middle East, the first thing that springs to mind for me is the amount of wealth in the area. Do you think um, we're increasingly becoming a, a very capitalist society? Is, is, and is it a good thing? Uh, there is obviously money here, uh, and we're talking about Dubai as opposed to the region. Uh, Dubai, Abu Dhabi are quite wealthy. I mean, there, there is other areas uh, in the Gulf where there is 
other areas of the Gulf has a lot of money, but there's a, a bigger distance between the rich, the haves and the have-nots. Mm. The UAE really, really do look after their citizens so that you haven't got that big disparity uh, between the, um, uh, the wealth. Uh, so it's a little bit more balanced here. Um, I think people are driven by money. Uh, um, what I think is rather sad is people don't, don't consider they've succeeded unless they're wealthy. Hmm. Unless they've got lots of money, unless they've got the Ferrari, unless they're driving three Porsches. So how would you summarize success then? Well, I mean, this is it. For, for me, if you're looking at it purely on what you own, you're never going to be happy. You'll never be successful because you always want more. Uh, and I think success is being happy with who you are now. We can always learn more. We can always earn more. But at the end of the day, if you're happy with who you are, you've got to be successful. Because, you know, I could drop dead tomorrow. I'd like to be knowing that I was successful. Um, can I ask you, what's the most luxurious thing you've ever bought? <laughs> um, I could be cheeky and say a really nice bar of chocolate here in the Middle East. Oh, that fits in perfectly. I thought you were going to go all, oh, it's about being happy, but here's my fancy car. <laughs> uh, no, it's, I, there's all kinds of different sorts of luxuries. Now, I think, yeah, you know, if you're used to buying one kind of chocolate and you go and spend five, five times the price on a different kind of chocolate, that's luxurious. Um, no, I mean, blimey, I, yeah, chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> so you got a bit of a sweet tooth then. Uh, actually, ice cream chocolate is probably the best. That'd be even better. Okay, so uh, just imagine, Phil, uh, you're king of the world for one day. What's the first thing you do? How much money have I got? Well, you're king of the world as much as you like. Well, I've got as much as I like. I think it would be helping people to 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 do something find their dream if you if you could say to everybody what's your dream and you as king of the world could help everybody hit that one dream then that would be it but you know what you you can help people to do it but they've got to chase it at the end of the day um and i see so many people that are scared of chasing the dream even if it's there for them to grab so you know offer them the dream but somehow encourage them to go for it you know there's so i believe we're all given one opportunity in life to turn things around and if you don't grab it, you've missed it. Can you identify a period in your life when that might have been that, that one big opportunity? Absolutely, taking the choice to come here. Absolutely. Did you find it a difficult decision to make? Um, embarrassingly, no. <laughs> because at the time I had a girlfriend and uh, I had a good job, I was rowing. I quite enjoyed my life, to be honest with you. And it was a surprisingly easy decision. Um, Something I go with my gut, and something deep down just told me go for it. It's about listening to your instinct. Yeah, I just never look back. Well, it sounds like you've done incredibly well, Phil, and I I can imagine that you'll be continue to do incredibly well. Um, for everyone who's listening, uh, Phil looks for people to increase their business by word of mouth and networking. And if you ever need a keynote speaker, he's definitely available. Um, do you only work in Dubai or do you work uh, worldwide? Um, I, yeah, I, I can do anything really. It all depends on how far I have to travel. <laughs> <laughs> I've just come back from LA. I've spoken there, Bangalore, Bahrain. Uh, my region is around here, but again, you know, it, it depends where you can impact people's lives. Fantastic. So uh, just as a parting question, Phil, uh, what would be your three tips for somebody who's starting their business? Go with your gut. Find people who can support you. Uh, positive, focused people who, who just have the ability, the resources, and the mindset to help you. 
Uh, and don't be afraid to fail. Learn from everything. Well, there you got it. Um, thank you, Phil. It was lovely to have you. Quite interesting to hear about life in Dubai, and I'm tempted to go over now. <laughs> and yeah, we'll look forward to hopefully meeting up with you in a couple of months. Well, I really look forward to it. And uh, I'm kind of wondering if everyone's going to run off from this and get themselves a chocolate ice cream. But if nothing else, I hope I've impacted some people. And uh, I really look forward to seeing you soon, Sylvia. Great. Fantastic. Well, thank you very much for your time, Phil. Pleasure. Take care. Catch up with you soon. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.